coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming, turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. We're continuing our series, Campfire Stories, and uh, it's, I think it's been amazing, so make sure you head over to uh, in, uh, iTunes and SoundCloud to pick it up just to catch up uh, with anything that's been going on. Also, all of your notes this morning are on the Version Bible app. Do we have any real Bibles in the house? Any real? We got one, we got two, we got, we're hitting record five, we got five today, six, seven, whoa, revival. Um... Revival is, uh, is what's happening. Uh, so if you're not using a hard copy, all the notes for the message today are available on your Version Bible app. Hit the More button in the bottom right-hand corner, then uh, Events, and then Engage City Church, and you will have all of the Bible verses. But you know, you know what's better than just bringing a Bible is what Melissa's doing, is bringing a notebook and a pen and taking notes. And that's when real revival happens when we got you know, notebooks and real Bibles. That's that's how you know the Spirit of God is at work in a place. And uh, our metrics are growing, which means the Spirit of God's at work in us. And that's a good thing. All right. Uh, Luke chapter 10. We're just kind of going to continue on where we've been. We've been jumping through a number of narratives, but the, these these are stories. Some of them are well-known. Some of them that are not that well-known, but we can always extract something out of it. And the end goal is not just reading the story. The end goal is, is for us to begin to live the story, to live the story of God. The Bible, uh, while the book, the, the, authorita- the authoritative word of God ends at Revelation, the story does not end. The story continues, and it lives on inside of each and every one of us. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord will will be saved. Therefore, all of us, the Spirit and the story of God lives through all of us. The question is, am I willing to embrace the story of God, or am I trying to write my own story chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter? But let's get into the Bible at Luke chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord now chose, oh, sorry, I gotta do this. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, that's 10 o'clock, you're improving. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead and perished all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. So just a little flashback. If you remember in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. They went out. He gave them authority to to heal all diseases and cast out all demons. So they went out and they did that and they came back and they gave a a great report, but they forgot to mention to Jesus that, that, that not everyone was healed and not every life was transformed. And so they had this learning, teachable moment where this father brings his son who, who's possessed by a, a demon that keeps throwing him to the ground and throwing him into fires. And he brings him and he says, Jesus, your disciples couldn't do this. Could you help me? And Jesus looks at his disciples and he goes, You wicked and faithless people, how long do I have to hang out with you before you learn that when I said all, I meant all, but this kind requires prayer and fasting. Even even in the midst of what feels like our failures, there's a teachable moment where God is actually moving you forward if you're willing to listen. 
And so right after that, in Luke chapter 9, the disciples start having an argument. Peter says to, to John, you realize I'm the greatest disciple of all time, right? John says, my nickname is Son of Thunder. That beats Peter the denier every day of the week. And Thomas says, I'm not sure that either of you are that good. I doubt your abilities. And James says, I'm the other half of the sons of thunder. And if you fast forward, I'm going to die first. So that's got to mean something. And they start arguing amongst themselves, who is the greatest? Now they just botched it. They just screwed it up. And they're arguing about who is the greatest. And then they see some other disciples who are who are. Getting, see people, seeing people healed, and they're praying in the name of Jesus, and they go, Jesus, we're going to shut these guys down because they're not in our crew. This is us. This is our crew. Jesus, people, their lives, he's like, are their lives being transformed? Yes. Are people getting healed? Yes. Are demons being cast out? Yes. Are they doing it in my name? Yes. Okay. Those guys are real jerks, aren't they? <laughs> disciples, let's shut them down. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. We're not going to shut them down. We're strictly inclusive, not exclusive. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if they want to join, and then in the very next chapter, right here in Luke chapter 10, the number goes from 12 to 72. I don't think that was an accident. I think Jesus just folded them all into one group. He says, okay, now I'm going to teach you what to do next. The truth is, if, if, if it was me and I had to work with these disciples as a leader, I probably would have given up hope and I would have moved on. Because they lied to me. They didn't tell me enough things. Let's not forget that in Luke chapter 9, after not getting a warm welcome, James and John asked Jesus if they should blow up the town with fireballs from heaven. I mean, these are some serious offenses when your disciples are willing to commit mass murder because they didn't get a good entrance. And yet Jesus says, listen, 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 guys, you know what I'm going to do? We're not going to give up on you. I'm going to send you out again. And we're going to send out more of you. We're going to raise up more of you. Because even though there's some rough edges and even there, though there's some quirks and even though there's, you know, there's some stuff that we're working through, the power of God is not intimidated by your personality. He's not intimidated about the way you go about things. In fact, he, God believes so much inside of us that he's got a plan and a purpose to extract all the goodness and all the gold that he created and he placed inside of you when he made you. And so he sends them out again. And Jesus says these words, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Flash back to John chapter 4, where we were last week. Jesus meets the woman at the well. And she rushes back to her town, the Samaritan town where all the disciples didn't even want to be because they, they, they thought that the, the Samaritans were disgusting. There's 500 years of racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans to the point where they didn't even want to go into each other's towns or spaces. They thought that they were gross. They thought they were corrupted. They thought they were half-breeds. They thought they were evil. They thought, they thought a whole bunch of things. And Jesus is talking to this lady, which he shouldn't have been doing according to custom. And the disciples come back and like, Jesus, eat some food. We brought some food for you. And he goes, no, no, my, my food is, is accomplishing the will of God. He says, the harvest is right in front of you. And the woman was so impacted by Jesus that she ran to her village and said, you need to come and hear this guy. And so the whole Samaritan village is running towards Jesus and the disciples to hear about the hope of glory, the Savior of the world. And the disciples go, Where, where's the harvest? I see nothing but problems. Last week we talked about harvest problems. This week we're talking about harvest lessons. Harvest 
lessons. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two, year, for two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Jesus takes what disciples view as a problem, and he turns it into the greatest harvest of their ministry. So the disciples had learned a thing or two. When we flash forward to Luke chapter 10 and Jesus says harvest, the disciples already had a mindset that says, you know what, when, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter where it is. Jesus wants to touch everybody. All will be saved. Everyone needs to get healed. Everyone needs to be set free. He, he changed their mind. They learned some harvest lessons that it's going to take some work and it's going to take some effort, but we can reach everybody all can be saved they learn some harvest lessons acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this but when you receive but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem throughout judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth so the power of god is available for every single person who believes in Jesus Christ, and not just half power or quarter power or third power or, or no power. The, all the power of Jesus Christ is available for all who believe. The same power that conquered the grave now lives in me. If it was enough to bring Jesus back from the dead, it's enough for me to accomplish my purpose that he's called me to right here and right now. So this is how Jesus works. This is the process of Jesus at work in your life. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If not, I don't know. You'll just remember it. <laughs> Here's the first thing. When Jesus shows up in your life, whether you like it or not, Jesus works around you. He works around you. We see this example in John chapter 4. See, Jesus' plan was to meet this lady who he shouldn't have been talking to and use her to go back and reach an entire community. There was, a, there was somebody in that village that was sitting at their kitchen table that was just going about their everyday life, and they had no idea that in mere moments they would be meeting the Savior of the world. They had no idea that in mere moments their life would be changed. They had no idea that all of a sudden their life was going to be turned upside down. They were going to find freedom. They were going to find hope. They were going to find life. And that that freedom, hope, and life was going to happen not just through a person, but through a lady who they all despised and shamed, who had a, tra a shady track record. But Jesus started working around their life started working in proximity. When, when You don't know this, but before you made a decision to be here, Jesus was working all around you. Before you even excited, invited him into your life, he was working all around you. You might not yet have invited Jesus into your life, but he's been working all around you. That's a little bit that we learned last week, context is important. That's the context of Roman 8, Romans 8, when God says he's going to work everything together for your good, for those who are, love him and are called according to his purposes. Because he's working around you. He's making things work together for your good, for your benefit. Whether or not you're even willing to acknowledge it, whether or not you're even aware of it, Jesus is working around you. The psalmist said, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life. The goodness of God is chasing you down. <laughs> he's working on your sphere. 
Once we invite Jesus into our life, he moves from working around us. He begins working in us. Jesus is working in us. And we like to think of this as like a radical transformation moment. For some of us, it is. For some of us, addictions are ceased. Pain is stopped. We find healing. We find life. We find freedom. For others of us, he just makes us less of a jerk day after day after day. For still others of us, it makes, him, makes us more empathetic and more compassionate. This is Jesus working in the depths of us by the power of his Holy Spirit. The, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in our, is in our lives is not that people are raised from the dead and that you're, you're levitating in teleporting places. The Bible says that the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you is Galatians chapter 5, 22. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, tenderness, gentleness. All of those things. So he begins to work on our character. And then, and then, and then, Jesus works through you. That's the process. He works around you. He works in you. And ultimately, he wants to work through you. He wants to work through you. Most of us get hung up at number two. Because number two feels good. Jesus is just at work in my life. I'm a better person. His goodness and his mercy are following me all the days of my life. His mercies are new every morning. We can't get past the fact that he's around us and that he's in us. And we, 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 you know, we have all kinds of things that the favor of God is on us and we're walking on it. And all those things are true. But we get so excited about God working in us and around us that we forgot that the ultimate purpose is that God wants to work through you. God wants to accomplish his purposes on this earth, not through a preacher, well, through a preacher, but not only through a preacher, not only through a keyboard player, not only through a person running pro presenter lyrics on the screen. He wants to work through you, and he wants to work through me, and he wants to work through all of us. The hand of God is not too short to work through you. The whole plan and the purpose was that we would become partners, co-laborers, co-heirs, it says in Romans with Jesus, so we can accomplish his purposes. That's why he gave us the great co-mission. It's all of us together. But we stop at, oh, God's around us, and he's in us, and it feels good. It does feel good to be in the love of God. It does feel good to be washed clean by his mercy and his grace. It does feel good for you to walk in a supernatural favor known as the, the mercy and the goodness of God that follows you and doesn't stop following you. It does feel good to live there. But the highest purpose and calling of a Christian and a believer is not to just sit and say, Jesus, it's so nice that you're inside of me today. It's so nice that you're just warming my heart, my ice-cold heart. It's so nice that I come to church and I sing and I feel joy. He wants all those things for you, but what he wants even more is for us to understand that our discontentment, those feelings of I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't know if I'm moving in, this, in, in the right direction. Most of those things are rooted back into us understanding that if we stay at around and we stay at Jesus working in and we never make it to Jesus working through, that we will never tap into our true purpose. See, when I think back to John chapter 4, I should just read it to you.
John chapter 4. Verse 27, just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? She had a bit of a reputation. (laughs) The woman left her water jar behind the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Eat some food. You're getting hungry. We brought you lunch. It's a doggy bag. It's so good. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Verse 33, I love this. Did someone bring him food while we were gone, the disciples asked each other? Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. If you've ever wondered where you find contentment for your soul, (laughs) if you've ever wondered where you find purpose, if you ever wondered (laughs) and you've been looking for this thing that says, man, I I just don't feel like my, my life is accomplishing anything. Can I tell you that your nourishment comes from doing the will of God? And from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wage, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester, you know. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest. Paper Bible problems. It's true, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. And many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. See, the disciples, (laughs) their problem wasn't their people. I mean, they didn't like the Samaritans, but they were coming. The harvest was coming. The problem wasn't the people. The problem wasn't the place. They hated the city. They didn't want to be in that city. They didn't want to be in that town. But the problem wasn't the place. The problem wasn't even the process of Jesus teaching them to, to love people. It wasn't, even, it wasn't the process of him of, of developing them and pulling the gold out. That wasn't their problem. The disciples' problem was their perspective. Disciples' problem was their perspective. You know who we need to uh, pray for these days? Just add this to your prayer list. IT people and tech people. Do you know why we need to pray for them? Because 99% of their job is helping us undo the mess that we created. It's like user error. Every time you phone them, you say, hey, my computer is doing crazy, crazy things. And they're like, okay, well, did you restart it? <laughs> like, yes or no. And all they do is they help you undo the mess that you created. And after you've undone creating all the mess, all the user error, all the mistakes that you did by clicking and keeping 4,300 windows open of the internet, all looking at the same thing on Pinterest, you have this moment where you say, I did it, it's working. And the IT person goes, great, thanks for calling. And they... Hang out the phone, you're like, it's working, it's working. I can't believe it's actually working. Fast forward to Luke chapter 10, verse 17. When the 72 disciples returned, so these are the guys that Jesus sent out. They joyfully reported to him, Lord, 
even the demons obey us when we use your name. It's working. It's working. Jesus, you sent us out and you said that we have all authority and we can cast out all demons and all will be healed. And, it, and, it's, and they came back and the report was, it's actually working. I can't believe that what Jesus said actually came true. Can you believe this? It's miraculous. It's working. It's working. It's working. And Jesus responds this way. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Our problem is, in general, being the collective we. Our problem is general is that at the first sign of success, we stop our progress. At the first sign of success, we stop our progress. Jesus works around us. And we become aware of the goodness of God at work. He then works inside of us. And the combination of what's going on on the outside and what's going on on the inside begins to change our perspective, begins to change the way we see. And then Jesus says, listen, I want to work through you. And he begins to send us out and we go out. And, 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 and the first thing we think to do is, is, is pray for somebody. So we pray for somebody and they've got a sore back and you pray for them at work and they get healed. And you like, you're like, it's working. It's actually working. I pray for somebody and they got healed. And we get so surprised at God working and showing up that we decide, you know what? I've got a calling to pray for backs. And so the next person you pray for, they come to you like, hey, listen, like my marriage is falling apart and I could really just use like, you seem like a wise person and I've really seen like you're, 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 like, your life is changing and your marriage is flourishing because of it. I don't know. Can you just talk to me? It's like, no, I pray for backs. And like, oh, man. Okay. Well, it just seems like, like your life, like, what's happening? Like, you're, oh, yeah, that's the goodness of God at work uh, around me and it's work in me. But uh, now he's working through me and he's only working through me on backs. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll go talk to somebody else. And then we decide, hey, man, this back thing is going really well. I'm going to start hosting some meetings for backs. And then you get rent a hotel conference room and you open it up for people with sore backs. And you see success. And God blesses it. And he works because he works. Because <laughs> it's real and he's alive. And all along, he's whispering into our ears and into our spirits, trying to work around us, trying to work in us. He's saying, hey, I only don't fix backs. <laughs> but we're like, yes, but this works, and it feels good, and I've got an identity here, and I've got a place here, and it, and, and it just keeps working, so I just want to keep doing this. And Jesus says, yeah, but I've got so much more for you. Remember that person with the marriage and the problems? You know the actual reason that you the person with the back got healed is so the person with the marriage problems would come and talk to you? 
And you're leaving all of this on the table because of this one thing right here because this works and this is nice and you like the way that it makes you feel. But Jesus says there's, you're leaving everything on the table. The problem isn't the place. The problem isn't the person. The problem isn't your calling. The problem is our perception. We're like, God only wants to use me for backs. No, God doesn't just want to use you for backs. He wants you to reach people. God working through you is not limited to one stream or one area or one gift or one talent or one ability. God's work in your life is limited to whatever his hand can touch. So he's not limited to anything at all. we got to learn the same lesson, the same lesson the disciples had to learn. The power isn't the point. The power isn't the point. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to offend some people, and others are going to not be offended. (laughs) Miracles aren't the point. Prophetic words are not the point. Display if your gifting is not the point. You hosting meetings at the Ramada down the street for backs isn't the point. When the disciples came back, Jesus, it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working. He's like, of course it's working. If I told you it's going to work, it's going to work. He says, don't rejoice over that. I've already given you all of that. Rejoice that your name is registered in heaven. Now what's interesting about that is that it doesn't even say that rejoice that other people's names are registered in heaven. When we break it all the way down to Jesus talking to his disciples, and you and I are now disciples, he says don't just rejoice that you can do stuff and use power. That's to be expected. That's what it means to walk with Jesus. Don't Don't even just rejoice that other people's lives are being transformed. If you want to know the most important thing, if you want to get a new perspective and you want to see how I'm wired and how we can affect the most number of people, rejoice that your name is registered in heaven. All that to say what Jesus is saying is the power is not the point. Jesus is the point. A relationship with Jesus is the point. And every day, real life, conversation, back and forth, we're talking, we're we're, we're walking in the cool of the day, and Jesus is speaking into every areas of our lives, and we're we're encountering through his through with I'll start again. We're encountering him through his word, we're encountering him through prayer. A personal relationship with Jesus that is active and alive is the point. Doesn't sound as exciting, does it? You're like, but I want to be the back guy. I want to be the healing guy. I want to, I want to be the person get, that gets teleported from place to place to place. It's in the Bible. All of those things come out of a relationship with Jesus. The guy that got te- teleported, you know what his first set of instructions were? Start walking south. You know what I call that? A trust relationship. Jesus says, so I'll just, context is important. This guy's name's Philip. 
he ultimately gets teleported from place to place. You're like, oh, that's what I want to get to. I want to get to teleporting. Me too. But if we roll the tape back, Philip is actually in Samaria where this scene is being set in John 4, experiencing the greatest revival, the greatest church services, like people are getting like saved. They've got thousands and thousands of people. And right in the middle of church, Jesus speaks to Philip, and he can recognize his voice, and Jesus says to Philip, hey, Philip, he's like, yes, Lord. Start walking south. But we're in the middle of church, Lord. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I need you to start walking south right now. Okay. He walks out of church and starts walking south along the highway. Ultimately, he, he meets a man in a chariot, an Ethiopian eunuch, and he, he explains to him the scriptures, and they pull over to baptize him. He jumps out, and he baptizes him, and then he gets te- Philip gets teleported away to the next place. But all of that started, the teleporting, the meeting the Ethiopian eunuch, the ex- incredible baptism moment, all of that goes back to the moment where G- uh, Philip had such a real relationship with Jesus that when Jesus spoke to him in the midst of church and said, I just need you to start walking south, he just got up and started walking south. It all comes out of us understanding to hear the voice of God. And the only way that we learn how to hear the voice of God and to know that it's God and it's Jesus speaking is to have a real and open relationship with him. You're like, I don't like this. I want to learn the three strategies to see people fall over. The strategy to see people fall over is to trust Jesus first and everything else will follow later, if that's even the thing that he's doing right now on the earth. But our problem is that at the first sign of success, we stop our progress. We stop meeting Jesus. We stop talking to him. We build a role and a job description for ourselves instead of building a relationship with him. The most powerful moment, I think, that happens in these portions of scriptures in John 4, when the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. He told me everything I ever did. That was the thing that that caused her to like, get up and run and, and go find other people and tell her. like he, And Jesus didn't even tell her the good things about her. He told her the worst things about her. It's like, hey, woman at the well, where's your husband? She's like, I don't have one. He's like, you're right, you had five, and now you're sleeping with someone else. That was the thing for her that busted everything open. She's like, I can't believe that Jesus said that. I can't believe he knew all those things about us. Today, I believe that that Jesus wants to speak directly into our lives in the same way. And I believe that there's there's somebody in the services here today, probably at the 10 and also at the 12, that Jesus just wants to let you know to to not short-circuit the process. Don't cut bait and run. (laughs) Sometimes we we get this itch for change. It's like, man... Things aren't, aren't going the way that I, that, I, that I think they should be going. You know, I'm, I'm not feeling the vibes anymore. I'm not feeling the feels. 
my life isn't, I'm not as far as I thought I was, or maybe I'm too far, maybe I've, I've strayed off course. And so we start getting this itch in, in us, in our souls that goes like, we just need to change something. Like maybe I'm just going to like change jobs or change houses or I'm going to change churches or I'm going to change partners. I'm going to change wives. Because things aren't just feeling right. I'm not feeling good. And we get that itch. And can I tell you what that itch is? It's a bite. I was out at uh, the acres the other day, out in trees, and I ended up with about 73 mosquito bites, covering, I, this is where I'm wearing long pants at all times, covering from here about up to here, because, you know, apparently you don't wear shorts in the outdoors. And you, I came home, and at night, like, I just wanted to rip my legs off, you know, you're just like... But you notice that when you start scratching the itch, the itch gets worse. You're like, <sighs> and so I scratched it, and it got worse. And then I got temporary relief because I scratched it, and I irritated enough, and then it itched even worse. And the only thing that fixed it was essential oils. <laughs> the only thing that fixed it. We got the doTERRA bottle out, you know. I think it was lavender. I mean, I hate them so much. I hate them. I hate the, the spiel, the whole thing. My, I feel like, anyways, there's a whole cabinet in my house that I call the pharmacy. It's just, it's just oil. Um, like, our house would burn so fast. <laughs> but Des took, like, she's like, here, put this on my itches. And all of a sudden, the mosquito bites just, like, calm right down. I put the oil all over, and it's like, this is amazing. I still hate the oils. Don't tell Des. Don't tell her that I'm telling you this that I liked it, because I still told her that it barely worked, and I hated them. <laughs> but all of a sudden, the itch just faded away. Don't scratch that itch. It's a bite, not an insight. You might have been bit by discontentment. You might have been bit by bitterness. Maybe you got bit by just feeling like you're not moving forward. But every time you scratch the itch, every time you short-circuit the process, you lead yourself down a road of greater pain, greater disillusionment, greater discontentment because every time you scratch the itch, you might even find temporary relief, but what you will discover at the end of that relief moment is that the bite keeps coming back. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished when Christ Jesus returns. I do not know who specifically I'm talking to, but I am talking to you today, and I believe Jesus wants me to make it very clear to whoever this is for that you do not scratch the itch. <laughs> the itch is going to short-circuit the process, the plan that God has for you, and you're going to find yourself in greater pain. Okay, but can I tell you, there's, there is one way to overcome the itch. Are you ready? 
Okay, one person is ready. There's only one way to overcome the itch. It's the oil. The Spirit of God is also known as the oil. There's only one way for that itch to go away. You, you might even say, oh, well, this is just what we do. You know, every couple years comes around and we just change our whole life. We uproot everything. We change careers. We change houses. We change locations. We change everything because, you know, we just find that's the best way to keep things alive. No, that's just the best way to keep yourself discontented. The only way, the only answer is Jesus, the Spirit of God. Why don't we stand together? He is Lord, Lord of Lord. I love the first verse of this song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. My life plan is built on nothing less than Jesus. My future is built on nothing less than Jesus. If there was an, a, a test for our whole lives, there would be a piece of paper and all I would have to circle is the one answer because the one answer is Jesus. That's the whole thing. That's the whole game. It's the whole thing is do I have a real and active living relationship with Jesus? All of the rest of the stuff will follow. But if you follow Jesus, all of His goodness and His mercy is going to follow you. Jesus wants to work around you. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you. But don't short-circuit the process. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you're here today, and you would say, I'm itchy. I'm itchy. I'm itchy. There's areas of my life that I can't stop. I just want to see a change. I just want to make a change. I just want to do it because I want to find contentment and I want to find peace. And I want to find hope and I want to find life and I want to find healing and I'm not satisfied and I'm itchy. If that's you today, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Give me a wave. You say, I'm itchy. I'm itchy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm itchy. Thank you. There's only one way to stop the itch. It's the presence of Jesus. All across this place. Why don't you just lift your hands, everybody, all across this place. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands. Jesus, we thank you that you are everything. The Bible says you're the beginning and you're the end and you're everything in between. You begin to the end and you come back to lead us all the way through this life, this journey called life. Jesus, and right now, there's many of us in this, this room, in this place, who are in a season where we're just like, something needs to change, something has to change, and, and we're looking for a natural change to be the solution to a physical problem, a spiritual problem. But with Jesus, what we know is that you're the answer to that problem. 
your spirit, your presence, your oil comes and it begins to wash over those bites and those itches and those scratches. And so right here in this moment, God, I pray for every single one of my friends who has their hands raised. I pray that your spirit, like a gentle oil, begin to come and pour like a salve and begin to move over these itches and these bumps and these scratches. I pray even right now that your spirit and your love, which is active and alive and you're here in our midst, would become and begin to bring healing even right now. I begin to, I pray that things are beginning to be healed and resolutions are coming right now that there's even creativity and ideas about the things that God wants you to do, not the things that you have plans for. God, I pray that your spirit would just gently pour from the tops of our heads to the bottom of our feet. Lord, bring healing to the way, the way we think. Bring healing to a broken heart. Lord, help us digest the words and the promises that you have for us. Help us to get rid of the junk. I pray that you would anoint these feet. That they would be feet that would follow you in every season. Lord, that we would not deviate from the path, but we would just follow you step by step by step by step. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Engaged Life, powered by Engaged City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.